Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. Today's conversation is one that stemmed from an idea from a former guest on this podcast. The one and only Wonder Mama, Casey Linegar, who you may remember from episode 32. Well, Casey approached me at a time of great change in my life and asked if she could interview me to capture learning, insights, observations, and nuggets of growth as I embarked on a new journey and a new chapter in my life and in my career. So with great care and trust, I jumped at the chance to be in the hot seat and have the tables turned and be interviewed by Casey. Casey is a career long transformation expert, so I knew I was in good hands. She is currently a principal at a company called Alula which specializes in business transformation through effective leadership. Throughout her career, Casey has partnered with public and private sector leaders, such as the Department of Defense, Department of Justice, Chevron, and Total, helping them diagnose barriers to individual and team success. Casey is clearly passionate about working with leaders to change the way they lead, to enable them to realize their goals. It was an absolute honor to have Casey on the show again, and I look forward to the follow-up in the future. For now, enjoy the discussion. So let's dive in. So for, for those of you who are active listeners to Coffee and Change, you'll immediately notice a role reversal. So today we are going to be featuring the creator and host of this podcast, Bill Kirst, as our guest interviewee. So the tables have turned. Welcome, Bill. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. And for those of you that are deep, deep listeners, you'll know that the person interviewing me is the one and only Wonder Mama, Casey <laughs> Casey Linegar. So thank you, Casey, for this idea. I'm super excited to flip the tables. Excellent. Well, happy to be here. I'm excited to, to dive in. So, so why are we interviewing you today, Bill? Uh, I approached you with this idea recently, you know, for two different reasons. The first is because your career and your leadership journey is aspirational, and it serves as a valuable story for others to learn and grow from, and at least that's from my perspective. And then also, I wanted to do this sooner rather than later with you because the timing is important. Um, you just began a new and exciting role as Director of Change for Cross-Industry Solutions at Microsoft. So congratulations on this incredible new role. Thank you. I very much appreciate it. I'm uh, week three into this role, so the wow. timing is pretty perfect. 
Wow. Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear more about it. And so before we begin, a quick introduction of who I am and why I'm the one hosting today. Uh, so as Bill mentioned, my name is Casey Linegar, and I am a principal at a company called Alula. So we specialize in transforming business through leadership. And what that means is I get to work closely with leaders and I spend my time diagnosing the barriers uh, to their individual and team success. And, um, and then I partner with them to change the way they're leading through behaviors to deliver on their goals. And, uh, and so I am so personally interested in hearing about your journey because um, I'm just fascinated about leadership. Also though, I am a longtime colleague and friend of yours, and I'm one of Bill's biggest fans for your listeners. So I've known Bill Thank for 15 you. years. I've watched him flourish as a leader in many different roles, uh, starting with being a change practitioner and a team lead with IBM. Uh, you've served as an officer in the Army, uh, and I wanted to take a quick pause there. Thank you so much for your service to this country. Uh, and, and then, of course, you um, recently were known for leading a department at a prominent consultancy, and now you've been selected in the senior leadership role. So uh, I really wanted to tap into uh, your experiences and also what's upcoming for you in this leadership journey. So... To, to do this, let's just start with your career journey from a student sure. to a senior leader at a Fortune 500 company in just 20 years. So that alone, <laughs> Bill, is absolutely incredible. Uh, and then after we, we dive into that, we'll transition to your current role and, and your leadership plans given your experience and skill set. So are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So softball here. What initially drew you to change management? Um softball, but certainly a big one. Um, I think honestly, the heartbeat of achievement is change. And so I think as an individual, as a citizen, as a creative, um, you know, we're, we're all trying to achieve growth in some way. And so when I think about what drew me to change management was like this, this desire to grow. And when we grow, we achieve. And you cannot do any of that unless you are embracing change. And so I think, and I've shared this on, on previous discussions with guests, um, I think change management found me, I didn't find change management. And I think very similar to your path, Casey, that it was one of these things where we sort of were doing what we knew was right to us. Mm -hmm. We were kind of going through the world heart first. And then we looked up and people were like, this is change management. So I think that's how it happened for me um, almost 20 years ago. I love that. Well, and with your heart first, that I think is particularly relevant in terms of just how you've approached your career thus far. If you had to pick, pick one of practice or behavior that most greatly contributed to the success, what would that be? You know, I think um, the behavior or practice that I most rely on for success is, is really rooted in empathy and compassion and probably deep listening. Um, it's not a surprise that we're talking on a podcast um, because mm -hmm. I think out of that sense of empathy and compassion and deep listening, uh, this was born, right? I, mm -hmm. I, I knew that I had such a desire to, to change the way that people experienced transitions in their life and growth in their life and achievement in their life. And so for me, the only way that you can really do that um, successfully is by starting in a place of empathy 
you know, some people might know that is putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Um, also in compassion. And I remind people that, you know, the word compassion in its Latin root means to suffer with, right? So mm -hmm. uh, that is important to, to know the power of what it means to suffer with someone. And out of that suffering comes growth. And then I think the last part for me is really around the deep listening. Every mm -hmm. single one of us has a story to tell. And the only way that comes to life, honestly, is if you are in the presence of a deep listener. So those would be the things that I probably blend into one practice, although they are three unique things that you use in your, you know, combination of your brain and your heart. Thank you, Bill. And, and deep listening is one of those areas that is often forgotten. We tend to, especially as we're being brought in in a change effort, right, to uh, come in and support whatever transformation. But oftentimes we come in with preconceived notions or the answer when we actually have to start with the question. Yeah. So, um, so glad you mentioned that. Absolutely. So I, I gave a brief overview of your, your very successful and in-depth you know, career journey. So putting yourself back into your shoes 20 years ago, for those of you just starting out in their career, um, what advice would you give those individuals, um, you know, based on where you are at today? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a great it's a great uh, opportunity to reflect, Casey. I know um, last year, uh, amidst the pandemic, you and I connected, and we and we talked about kind of the the importance of taking pause and reflecting on where you've come and where you've been, and 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 frankly, where you come from. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing I would encourage people to do, and this is actually a practice that I did in my last, um, my last workplace was we actually did this kind of this tactic where you wrote yourself a letter, um, in the future. And what's really interesting is I ended up writing myself a letter as if it was going to be published in an alumni magazine in the year 2020. So I wrote it in 2017 as if it was going to be published in 2020. Uh -huh. And the interesting thing about that exercise for me was it sort of triggered the opportunity to reflect on what by then would have been 20 years of a career. Mm -hmm. And the advice I kept, you know, seeing come up in this letter to myself in the future was really about who I wish I was to myself in the past. I wish I was more um, connected with the creative side of who I was. I wish I was more conscious of the compassionate leader that I was. And the advice I would give people that are starting out their careers is to, to spend as much time with the internal knowing and the wisdom that you have already as you would running out to buy the next business book or listen to the next TED talk or you know, find, there's a term I don't necessarily like, but find the next guru, right? Mm -hmm. I think we're so charged in our world and in our society to reach, reach, reach and be validated and qualified. And the advice I'd give to young people is don't let that distinguish or mute the, sorry, don't let that extinguish mm -hmm. or mute the knowledge and the sort of flame of, of knowing that you have inside. Um, because it's that that I think will, and I'll use the right word here, distinguish you in your career. Um, the, the challenges we face today cannot be solved with the same traditional thinking. Right. Um, 
the business methods, the the ways in which we worked are um, no longer applicable. We've outgrown them because the challenges we face um, are far more complex. So I would encourage people at the beginning of their careers, there's going to be that tension. It's healthy, right? It's a healthy tension of, do I show up as myself? Do I bring my creativity? Do I bring my compassionate listening? Or do I perform in a way that a book told me to, mm-hmm. or a seminar told me to. And I would really encourage people to spend time knowing the power that's within and bring that forth. So one thing that occurs to me when I'm listening, Bill, is um, the power of social media to influence that and the access yeah. to others through social media and technology. And that's something that I've observed you handle, at least from, from my external vantage point, quite well in that I see you leverage social media to your advantage, not to your influence, if that makes sense. So, it does. you know, in terms of what you were saying about, you know, the knowledge and the flame of yourself, right, and connecting to yourself internally, I think that that external influence is so heavily present right now for, for the younger uh, professionals. So I guess, I don't know if it's a question or a point, but it's just, I almost feel that it, it's even more important that they are aware of this, given all of those external pressures that maybe we weren't experiencing as heavily when we first started out. Absolutely. I would, I would, I would echo that for sure, Casey. And I think there's this, this interesting balance right mm-hmm. now, which is between, you know, maybe personality and persona. Yes. Um, you know, what is, who is Bill? Who is Casey? Who is brand Bill? Who is brand Casey, right? Who is the professional? Mm -hmm. Who is the husband? Who is the brother? Who is the wife? Like there are so many different shades of who we are. And I think it is really challenging for, for people that are entering the workplace now who have grown up amidst a digital native world. But one of the things I think that we need to help people understand is what is digital optimism, right? Mm -hmm. What does it mean for us to take these technologies and actually use them to make the world a better place? Yeah, use them for Um, good. Yeah, use them for good. Use your powers for good. I mean, you and I are both Harry Potter fans, right? Right. the, the, The wand that you have can be used in many ways. And if you use them for good, um, I think there's there's a ripple effect there. And so one of the things that I know I've been very proud of over the past several years, you know, going all the way back to our DC days, was you know teaching um, students about the importance of managing your your brand, yeah, and what that means on LinkedIn, um, and what that means in the professional world, and. I think now it's harder because there's so many more channels, right? It's not just about LinkedIn. It's about Instagram. It's about Twitter. It's about Facebook. It's about Yik Yak. It's about Snap. Mm-hmm. It's about Fishbowl. Right. It's about, there's so many of these things. And the, the advice I would really um, leave people is don't feel that you have to res- you know, respond to all of those things. I would actually say, go back to the thing we were talking about before, which is, sort of look inward and ask yourself, 
where is it that I want to spend time? And does it bring me energy? And does it allow my light to shine? And if it doesn't, I think you, I think people can say, I choose not to be on that platform. I choose not to spend time on that platform Mm -hmm. because it's taking away from who I am. It's, it's diluting the, the impact I want to make in the world. And again, as digital natives, they can be selective. Um, I think when you and I were coming up in this, it was, it was a little bit more of we had to, right? If you remember back in the old days at IBM, right? Social right. business was yes. a term that was thrown, thrown around a lot. You yes. and I were sort of early adopters of that, helping our clients understand that. We never could have thought about the realms that it has reached today, both the positive and the negative. And I think if we know now what we know, if we could go back and have those conversations, Casey, it'd be fascinating. Oh my gosh. Well, and to just think about um, the the time savings. Uh, I love, you know, just layering that lens over it. You know, where do I want to spend my time? You know, does this bring me the light and the energy? And if the answer is no, there's your boundary, right? Exactly. And you can weed out a lot of noise just by asking those critical questions. Yeah. And I think the choice that people can make is one about empowerment. Yes. Right? It's, it's, it's not about being left out. It's about empowerment and it's about sacred yeses and sacred noes and it's about boundaries. Yes. That's the only way that I think we can um, manage this both from a mental wellness standpoint and a, and a physical wellness standpoint mm-hmm. even um, as, as we go forward in, you know, managing your brand. Yeah. Well, and I think to build off of that, and I know you touched on this a little bit, but just to just to really emphasize, one key word that comes to my mind when I think about you, Bill, is authentic. Uh, you know, so you've always brought your authentic self to the roles. Uh, there, I have personally witnessed that there have been times in those roles where you felt that you couldn't be your authentic self, and that was really a, a major barrier for you, and it mm-hmm. caused a huge amount of internal conflict. And so that uh, shows up for all of us in different ways in our professional journeys. So we um, struggle with showing up as ourselves sometimes. You know, there's this culture of conformity in the professional mm-hmm. space, and I know that that dialogue is in those those boundaries are opening up as we speak. I know there's a lot of talk right now um, in that area, um, but certainly we all feel the pressure to show up a certain way or behave a certain way, depending on the business environment with which you're in. So what thoughts or perspectives or guidance do you have for us to help na- us navigate this space um, so that we can really work on bringing our own authentic selves into this professional environment, similar to how you do? Yeah, I appreciate the question, Casey, because it has been a lot of work, um, <laughs> and I and I think it's interesting because when you think about what authenticity means to you as an individual and what being genuine means to you, mm-hmm. at the heart of it, it should take no effort, like zero effort, because it is the truest you. Right. And and just by being that, you're accomplishing it. However as you said, we still are in this, these realms and these, and these spaces where conformity is sometimes expected, mm-hmm. other times required, and then oftentimes negotiated. And so I think it's really important to, to speak to the fact that for me, 
you know, the past 20 years has really been as much a journey of authenticity mm-hmm. as it has been about a journey of negotiating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned at the at the top uh, that I served in the military, and I've spoken about this before in other episodes, but, you know, you and I got to know each other when I was in the military and serving under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and, and, and how do you negotiate that space? How are you right. the truest you while also following the letter of the law. And I think what's really interesting today is, especially in the past couple years, we've seen such a um, drastic shift of what it means to show up as your entire self at work. Um, You know, just yesterday I was watching the Microsoft Ignite conference, Mm -hmm. which has, you know, releases new uh, products and, and to the ecosystem and to partners. And there's a really interesting discussion around something they're calling the metaverse, which is essentially this opportunity for people to show up, you know, in virtual meetings as essentially a very professional looking avatar. And there was a really interesting debate around authenticity and what it means to show up as your authentic self. And the pandemic has taught us some interesting things. One is it's not necessary for me to show up, you know, in a, in a, in a suit and tie when I'm on camera. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's great. Cause I'm not necessarily a suit and tie kind of guy. I can be, but it's not my most comfortable and my most um, genuine way of showing up. The other thing that was interesting was that we've learned so much about camera fatigue and yes. how people have a really hard time being their authentic self when everyone is watching your every move. Exactly. And that's the piece I wanted to emphasize here, which is the difference for me over the past 20 years was, yes, I was moving in and out of spaces and places. You and I both were as consultants. Mm -hmm. And we sort of conformed to the culture within which we performed. And that we needed to do that to be respected, Mm -hmm. to be protected, and to be um, to, to to be able to influence that was part of our job. I think what's really interesting now is the blend of virtual and in real and hybrid. It's kind of become this like m- amalgamation of mm-hmm. who am I? How do I show up? And more importantly, what's the right option for me to show up the best way I can? Um, and so I, I think it's actually given people more pause to ask the question, who is my authentic self? Mm-hmm. How do I genuinely interact with someone without sacrificing who I am? And more importantly, how do I find my voice, to your point earlier, in a world that can be quite noisy? Yeah. Um, and so so I think, again, it's it's a lot to say, but this is the 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 conundrum about authenticity. It should be the easiest thing for every single person because you are your truest you. Right. And when you move through the world, and I hope the world gets better, I hope we learn a lot from, from, from all of this, but when you move through the world, there are times you have to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Do I show up as my entire self and make others possibly um, experience discomfort? Or do I put the discomfort on me so that others 
can perform and and not not rock the boat or not disrupt the waters. That is a constant conversation with your heart, with your mind, with your soul. And I don't think there's easy answers for every single person. I would just say this, make sure that you give yourself permission to have that conversation with yourself. And when in doubt, listen to your heart. Um, And you'll see there will be places and workspaces, as we all know, that it is not celebrated. It is not uh, encouraged. And if you start to feel that gap and that tension and that sense of, I just cannot be myself, you have the power to make that change. So there's a lot there, right, Bill? Mm-hmm. And um, and I guess, you know, what I heard is, you know, that this has really been that what I felt and observed many, many years ago was an authentic self, even though there were certainly some uh, areas of, of your personal life that we couldn't share, you know, given everything you've just described. Um, in that you, that certainly, you know, you've had to then consciously every engagement or maybe not that nuanced, but really play into what the situation needs and also how you can show up or, or what you need to, to do in order to achieve whatever desired objective it is in the professional space. And, and I guess though, my message to those that are listening is that it's, it right now folks may not be able to show up 100% authentic all the time uh, there, for a variety of reasons. It would be ideal if we all could. Um, but I have watched you as one of the most authentic leaders that I've ever engaged with. And you have also realized a huge achievement and, and great success in your professional career. And so I guess the message is for those that feel that, it, that, that they have to choose to climb a, a ladder or, you know, in order to get places or be their authentic self, it's not mutually exclusive. Right. Um, that in fact, I would argue that because you have been so authentic and really brought that into the roles that you've, you've worked through, um, that that has enabled your success in so many ways. So obviously that's not why you've done that, right, Bill? It's, you know, it's because it's just who you are intrinsic, but I don't want people to, to, feel that they can't be themselves in order to get places. I feel like the, the more we can encourage them to show up as themselves and then they realize their success, it will have a ripple effect. Yeah. And I, and I think the other piece that, um, you know, you hit on there is think about how many more people, organizations, clients, customers benefit as a result of that. I mean, I think you alluded to this in the sense of if somebody is asked, Hey, can I get, the most out of you. Um, I mean, who wouldn't want that, right? Who wouldn't want the most of Casey or Bill, but whether we know it or not, there are people that if they don't feel they can be authentic, they're actually only bringing a percentage of themselves. They're not bringing all their gifts. Mm -hmm. They're not bringing all of their, um, their skills. And when you think about it and you break that down, everyone benefits from it. Right. So the business benefits from it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, absolutely. it has real business results too. It has a bottom line impact. Yes. No, no, no question. If people want to take it to a, a, uh, a decision of numbers, there's a bottom line impact and it just makes sense. 
And I think over time, workplaces and um, spaces and norms are evolving. Mm -hmm. But the only way that happens is kind of like what we opened up with, right? The sense of like the heartbeat of achievement is change. Mm -hmm. So how do we achieve an authenticity? How do we achieve um, the, the showing up as our best selves? We help others change, right? It, you have to change hearts and minds mm -hmm. sometimes when you, you are your authentic self. As, as we discussed, it was not always easy for me. Right. But the way in which I did it by staying true to who I was and never compromising on that mm -hmm. um, allowed me to change hearts and minds and as a result, build better workplaces and uh, better experiences. Yeah. Well, speaking of better workplaces and experiences, my goodness. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit about um, Microsoft and your new role. Sure. So I did a bit of homework and Microsoft employees over 180,000 employees worldwide. Mm -hmm. And I learned that 100,000 of those reside in the U.S., many mm -hmm. of which reside in the Pacific Northwest. So what size is the organization you're leading and what is the change group for cross-industry solutions charged with delivering? Yeah, you know, um, it's uh, obviously week three. Um, <laughs> I probably don't even have answers Pop for these quiz. things. I know, right? <laughs> um, so I can tell you this, um, that, you know, week three into this, um, I can tell you that like cross-industry solutions is kind of a new approach and a new way of doing business that Microsoft is, um, you know, adjusting or changing to. Mm -hmm. And, and for, for, for you and me, Casey, it's probably not, um, not that novel of a concept, which is looking at the way in which you deliver solutions and products to customers but um, not doing it in, in a more pillared or siloed way. Okay. So, for example, if you're delivering uh, products or services to an industry, and let's just name one, for example, financial services, so banking, mm -hmm. um, credit unions, um, investment banking, a lot of them maybe use the products and or services of a company like Microsoft a certain way, and they're designed that way. Well, one of the things that I think Microsoft and other organizations are starting to realize is when it comes to change, and you and I know this quite well, what are the best practices? What are the leading practices? What are the things that sort of rise to the top that we can actually take from a financial services industry and say, hey, this would work really well, for example, in healthcare, also very um, you know, compliance-driven, Mm -hmm. has a lot of complexities. There's some unique manifestations of the way technology is used to change lives. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to something like trust, right, where is there any more emotion than your money mm -hmm. or your health, right? Those are two things that are universally true about the human experience. Now, I wish, I wish we could change some of that, right? I wish right. there wasn't so much emotion around money. And health wasn't so much of a concern because everybody had right. access, but... Absolutely. But those two right there, that's an opportunity for someone like me to bring two decades of leading change mm -hmm. to customers and to industries and to products and services to say, hey, how about we figure out a way to help people go through change better? 
be it the customer, be it a team, be it a field team, be it a customer service support, all of that. And as I understand it, that's really my vision and my, my role is to work across these different industries and take a lot of my experience having been in consulting for two decades mm -hmm. where we worked in those industries, right? I had the opportunity to work with banks, with hospitals, with telecom companies, mm -hmm. but it didn't end there. When I was working with them, I was also saying, let me understand who your customer is. So right. the customer of the customer, right? Right. So it's not just about, let me work with a bank, but let me understand what it means to be a customer of the bank. It's not just about working with a healthcare system. Let me understand the experience of the patient. Exactly. And, and more importantly, what's it like for a mother who's got a sick child rushing into the ER and is given 17 pages of documents to fill out? Is there a better way that we can do this so that is not where she has to spend her, her brain share right. and her energy? And instead, it can be very much about you know, what the most important thing to her, which is her child's health in that moment. So when you think about patients, exp patient experiences, customer experiences, all of that is really at the center of what organizations are trying to get better at. And mm -hmm. all that requires change. And, you know, that's the heartbeat of what I'm trying to do um, in helping an organization like Microsoft, which has so many touch points in this world. Right. Um, and, and to me, that that's what brings me excitement. That's what brings me joy, knowing that if I'm working on something here, that out there, it means a mother, a father, a doctor, a banker, uh, a farmer mm -hmm. is going to have a better experience so that they might be able to spend more time with the ones they love. I'm good. I get up and I do it again the next day. Oh my gosh. Well, you had me at uh, the mom in the ER waiting room filling out the paperwork. And I'm not saying, I mean, truly, if you could solve that bill, that's like a billion dollar solution right there. I, man, you know, and, and you're absolutely right. Um, and so, wow. So I'm so excited to see what you do here. And I guess thinking about that, and you, you know, you certainly, you mentioned you're, you're new in this role, you know, three weeks going in, you know, how are you hoping to show up for your new role? And, and really yeah. specifically as a leader, right? Um, so what leadership characteristics are you really wanting to demonstrate to your organization um, in these first few weeks? Yeah, I, I really love the question because it's something that I think is, it's not often we're afforded the opportunity to just sort of stop and yes. reflect on that question. So I love the fact that you're asking it, you know, I mean, in the role, um, as you described it, um, I think one of the things that really, really excites me about this point in my life and this chapter in my life is, and this brand that I'm now working with, mm -hmm. which is one of the most recognized brands in the world, you know, they, they welcomed me to Microsoft as a compassionate servant leader in change. Okay. And that's what I do best. And they saw that they specifically, um, sought me out for that. And why is that that it brings me so much joy? Because it allows me to bring out the truest potential mm -hmm. in others at the heart of it, right? That's what this is about. So I'm hoping to show up in this in this role, um, frankly, with insatiable curiosity, right? Um, I want to bring very important leadership skills to this role. And one of those skills is storytelling. Yes. Like, Tell I yeah. think... I think the, the amount of 
power that resides in storytelling is something untapped for organizations because it is in those stories where we change hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. And I would couple that with my love of learning. You know, one of the things I did these past couple years was um, take the science of well-being and happiness course that was offered through Yale, Dr. Ashley Santos. Uh-huh. And a lot of people know about it from right. the early days of the pandemic because, you know, the Coursera courses made it free. And there was a um, sort of a character values survey or assessment that that you can complete as part of the course. And it shouldn't be a surprise to me. Maybe it's not a surprise to many of my friends and colleagues, such as yourself, but love of learning was one of my top five character values. Oh, yeah. Hands down. And I think back to those early days of you and I teaching some of our peers at IBM how to use software like connections or social business tools. Mm-hmm. And I, I, laugh, I laugh inside because I think about how, how early we were in that, right? I'm always about two years ahead of the curve when it comes to trends. And I think that's because I have this hunger for learning. Um, and so for me, the combination of storytelling, mm-hmm. the hunger for learning, and the insatiable curiosity, like that's what I'm showing up to this role with. And if, if those are my key ingredients, what an amazing cake we can make. So that, um, just taking that then and stepping it forward, right? Especially yet love of learning. Um, we all have areas of growth. And mm-hmm. especially as a leader, there are critical behaviors that we all must employ as leaders in order to be successful. So taking that insatiable love of learning, where are you going to really spend your time and energy um, in your own personal growth? What are some areas that you're wanting to be better at or more skilled at? Um, I love the question. I've actually been spending quite a bit of time trying to take my own medicine. Um, <laughs> so it's very hard to do sometimes. It can be very hard yes. to do, right? The doctors make doctors make the hardest patients. I would yes. say change leaders make sometimes the hardest, <laughs> hardest uh change, you know, change students, um, as you know, I think for me, um, there's a couple of things that come to mind. One is I am actually, um, in, in sort of the middle of a course, uh, called the power of positive psychology. Um, there's a gentleman or a professor at UPenn, uh, Martin Seligman, who sort of penned and coined this, um, approach to psychology, you know, most people know that psychology is usually talked about as a um, starting from a negative mindset, meaning we are struggling with mental health. Therefore, we need to understand the source of that. And psychology is a tool in which we do that. Well, Dr. Seligman actually flipped that on its head and said, what if we actually don't talk about these things from a place of debt, as in we don't have this or we are suffering from this, but instead we talk about it from a place of um, positivity. Okay. Um, things like gratitude, mm. um, things like appreciation, things like taking moments to just take in all of the, the, the wonderment that we experience on a day-to-day basis. And so for me, one of the things that I'm taking into this next role and learning is the opportunity to pause and really not jump to the urgency to solve, mm-hmm. 
And that's hard, right? That's hard for me as someone who's been a consultant for two decades when so much of my muscles were built and rewarded, frankly, my performance was rewarded for coming in and very quickly solutioning something right? or saying, I've got the answer for you. Um, Now, it doesn't negate the database of knowledge that I've got, but one of the things I am consciously working on is to sort of resist the the urgency of jumping in and saying, Mm -hmm. I have the perfect thing for that. Because chances are, I don't. This is a new industry for me. This is a new chapter. Um, And I think the the organization I'm a part of with its leader, you know, he, he really helped the organization make the the shift towards growth mindset. It's not about know it all. It's about learn it all. So mm-hmm. he specifically says, I want learn it alls on my team. I don't want know it alls. So that's an interesting metamorphosis for me, Casey. I mean, yeah. this is, this is a little bit like kind of going into the chrysalis <laughs> and Absolutely. saying, okay, how do I emerge out of the chrysalis um, as a, as the learn it all, which actually works quite well for me because I was going I to say with your love skills, yes, exactly. And what you're just predisposed to doing, but using those wings for the first time, mm-hmm. very much like a butterfly, it's going to be a little tough, right? I'm going to have to make sure to, to give myself the grace and the space um, that frankly, I've afforded so many people in the past mm-hmm. as clients and customers. It's really interesting when you try and take that medicine yourself. You say to yourself, oh, well, I'm not worthy of that. Like I, I actually, right. you, you are very worthy of it. And that's where the world needs you to be right now. So that's my learning. Well, so, so much of what you just said tends to come out when I'm coaching senior leaders. And and mm-hmm. oftentimes what you mentioned right now are steps that are very much missed. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, I, I can't count the number of times I say you need to go slow to go fast. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and to your point, it's not something that you'll just wake up one day and say, okay, I'm going to take a pause. I'll, I'll approach this with an open mindset and I'll just come in with that growth and, and quest for learning. And then it'll stick, right? So constantly having to remind yourself and really uh, reinforce how you're wanting to show up in that space will be, I think, critical. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then that even the element of the gratitude and appreciation, and and then you also mentioned it's a new industry for you, and leaders expect to have to come in and um, and somehow display a prowess in a way that helps others trust in them. And that's, that can be a misstep. Um, I, it is a very powerful tool to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and to express your vulnerability. And, and one of the you know most powerful things you can say to a team is this is, it's not something I'm familiar with. Um, but together, I'm confident that together we will find the right answer and let's just focus on the first next best step and, yeah. and we'll get there. And, and just being okay with that, right? And, and not being so hard on yourself in terms of needing to know the answer right now. Yeah, I think I, I love that you say the next best step. I mean, one of the things that we've seen a lot, obviously, in the technology world is, you know, insights. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's AI-driven things and machine learning-driven things. And people talk a, a lot around next best action. Yeah. And 
you know, you can experience that maybe in a transaction. But one of the things I do love about what you're saying is when do we get to afford ourselves the next best action as people, as human beings, as leaders? And I would say that one of the best teachers of this for me was grief, was, was loss and grief. Because when you're, when you're experiencing loss, um, it's really, it can be, it can turn transactional really quickly mm-hmm. in the sense of you've got to go through certain things and there are logistics to happen. But the only way that you can truly do it is to take a in-breath and an out-breath and ask yourself, what is the next best action for you? Yeah. And and that's really how the, the journey of grief is meant to happen. Um, and sometimes those next best actions are, I'm not going to do anything. Exactly. I'm going to feel. And that is not an inaction. No. Feeling and listening are not inaction. Exactly. They are beautiful actions that I think we need to remember. And I use that word remember because you were literally coming back into your body. Mm-hmm. Um, that they generate some of the most unexpected gifts um, in in families, in companies, in corporations, in the world. So this, we've touched on a number of, of topics and something that comes to my mind is, you know, how do you do it all? In other words, you know, even building time and space to, to, to be, right? Mm -hmm. Requires some pre-planning, I would imagine. Otherwise, if you're not careful, your 24 hours will be spoken for before you know it. Mm -hmm. And so what does the day in the life of Bill look like? How how do you manage to find the time to to really be deliberate in these areas of focus, both personally and professionally? And any Mm -hmm. tips or ideas for the rest of us? Because we all share in this struggle of only 24 hours in a day. I know. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing I think a lot about. Uh, there are some days I look down and I say, where did the time go? Mm-hmm. Because I'm in flow. Yeah. And for those that are, you know, that haven't heard a lot about sort of the flow state or the mindset of what it's like to be in flow, I encourage you to look at that, look into that because you'll know, you'll know when you're in flow because time becomes, um, it just sort of, it, it escapes you and you look mm-hmm. down and the hours have passed and, and you feel fulfilled and you feel, um, that you've created and you've brought joy to something and you, it's like a, a demarcation of, of, of who you are, but in the absence of time. And for me, there are days that that happens. And that's how I know that I'm spending my time on the right things, connecting with people, storytelling, mm-hmm. um, helping people realize their true potential, working through some really challenging problems. That to me is what I would love to fill my days with. There are other days where you're right, I've overcommitted mm-hmm. and I've got a podcast and I've got a full-time job and I've got a, a spouse and a large family. And these are all things that I want to give my full heart mm-hmm. and, and body to. But I often remind myself that if you do too much of that, or if you sign up for too much of that, then you will, as we used to say in the military, fall out. Um, yes. And and you will be no good to anyone. 
So for me, the discernment comes in a couple different ways is I ask myself, is this bringing me joy or is it actually um, delivering impact in the right way for the right time for the right person? Mm -hmm. Um, And if I can't really answer those two questions, then I have to deprioritize what that thing is. Now, we've all got commitments, right? I can't sit there and say I don't want to pay my bills, right? Because it doesn't bring me joy, right? (laughs) Um, We've all got our commitments. But I think once you've gotten through your commitments and your obligations and your accountability, Mm -hmm. I think that's the lens with which I look at things. So, for example, if I say to myself, I'm going to write and record a meditation, well, does it bring me joy? Yes. And is it going to impact somebody at the right time, right place? Is it going to find the ears and hearts of the world that it needs to affect? Yes. And I just put that out into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other piece is balance. And you need to define and redefine and continue to redefine what that means in your life yes. as you go through life. If I were to hold myself to the the standards of a 22-year-old Bill Kirst now, I probably would fall out because the 22-year-old Bill Kirst was a residential advisor overseeing 150 students while taking 18 to 24 credits in college. Exactly. Not going to happen when you're 43 years old. So I prioritize things like sleep. I prioritize things like meditation. I prioritize going on a walk, a long walk with my spouse and sort of talking about the world. Mm -hmm. I deprioritize the news. Yes. I deprioritize social media. Um, I prioritize connecting with people like you and having conversations. And I prioritize growth mindset, learning, and curiosity. Mm-hmm. And those are things, it's a little bit like a lazy Susan. If folks know what that is, that's where you have the thing in the center table and you spin it around. And what's the. It's a critical what, element. If you don't have a lazy Susan, I'm telling you, <laughs> I, I appreciate my mind first, my spice rack every day. I exactly. just say, go get a lazy Susan. If you go don't. get a lazy Susan. And that's exactly what it is. It's what spice am I pulling off the lazy Susan today and for what reason? Mm-hmm. You can have a plethora of those spices, you can have a plethora of the nutrition. The question is, do you have a system for picking the right thing at the right time for the right reason to be the truest you? And that, I think, is the hard work. Yes. That is why it's a tough question, but that's also why we're never done. Well, and and I love that last thing. We're never done. In the, and I have noted that that balance, even when you get to a space of balance, mm-hmm. it, it, that doesn't become that constant state. And I know you mentioned that mm-hmm. over time, but it's even not even time bound. It's um, in that moment, it's it's balanced. But then once you feel balanced, you immediately think, oh, let's add. It's just this inherent right. human reaction. Oh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling in a good spot. Yeah, that sounds like a great opportunity. And as, and then you wake up one day and you're feeling out totally outside of your um, authentic self or not able to invest the time mm-hmm. and energy in the ways that you want to. And then you have to go back to the drawing board. And I've come to learn over time that you know, that even question of, of self-management and time management, it's, um, it is a continuous practice. It's a daily practice. Um, and, and don't ruin the flavor, right? I mean, think yes. about that analogy, right? If we, if we oversaturate something, if we put too many spices, you've actually ruined the meal. Exactly. Oh, I so love that. enjoy though. the meal. Yes. I love like, it. Resist the urgency. <laughs> and you're right. It, <laughs> is a true, yes. it is a true pressure that is out there to say, oh, do another thing. Get another certification. Take another mm-hmm. course. Read another book. Enjoy the meal. Yeah. 
Okay. So I have one more question for you. And this is, sure. this is something that I am going to hold you to um, as, okay. as a coach in me. What is your six-month goal in your new role? Okay. I'm going to capture this. I have my pen ready because we'll come back and we will um, test your progress mm-hmm. against these goals. And obviously goals are always made to be adjusted and flex. So, sure. but given right now, where do you want to be personally and professionally in your new role at that time? Yeah, just it's a question that makes me nervous because it's like, <laughs> you know, the uh, the the person who wants to achieve again mm-hmm. as much as I do, but I'm also I'm going to take my own medicine here. So I'm going to say, in six months' time, this is the goal I have for myself: okay. is to understand the lay of the land and okay. where I sit within the organization. That's it. Literally, to understand where I sit within this very large organization, this brand, and the lay of the land. That's it. So so for me to be able to just say that, like, it feels very strange in my body because it feels like it's not enough and it's minimalist. But I also know that in order for me to be successful in this next chapter, which I hope is a long chapter, like, you have to know the lay of the land. You can't set out on on a journey if you don't know if you don't have the map of of who's who and where's where yep. so for me i'm going to be a true student and i'm going to listen and i'm going to learn and i'm going to get to know the lay of the land and where i sit within this organization Oh my goodness. So the coach in me is, is applauding and cheering. Okay, good. Did I pass? You passed. That is an excellent answer. Um, because you're you're exactly right. It's so oftentimes we try to dive in and just take over and take on and, um, and it serves nobody. And this will, so this is exactly, not only is it a realistic one, it's an achievable one and it's an appropriate one. If, if I may provide my own insights or expertise to that answer. So, I am Absolutely. so excited. And I also love to hear that, um, you know, this is where your change practice will come into play, right? From understanding the stakeholders, understanding yeah. the critical path priorities and the different, you know, cross-functional needs of the organization. And it's a massive organization. So it's, mm-hmm. this is not an easy task. And it's, it might, it's not a minimalist either because, you know, once you start to break it down, that's a full-time role right there. It's just to get that grounding. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you, if I, if I, which I oftentimes think about the mission of the organization that yes. I joined, you know, Microsoft's mission is to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. That's an amazing mission, but I can't do any of that if I don't even understand where I'm at. Exactly. And where the organization is at. Yeah. Fantastic. So that's where I'm going to spend my first six months. Um, and there'll probably be times that I struggle and there'll be times that I want to do more and achieve more. Mm-hmm. But I'm also going to probably go back and listen to this conversation when that happens. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> so send it, you. send the link to you periodically as a, as a gentle exactly. nudge. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But Bill, thank you, Casey. I appreciate the, heck, the opportunity to, to be asked these questions is kind of great. Isn't it fun to have the tables turned a little bit? But honestly, though, I also knew that your perspective is just so valuable. And it, and I personally have taken notes that I plan to take away for my own practice. I loved your, you know, the flow state. I plan to look that up as soon as we're over because I, that really resonated with me. So really, Bill, thank you for 
opening yourself up, being vulnerable to, to taking this opportunity and really sharing your perspective with us today. So appreciate it. Absolutely. I appreciate the time. And um, if you want another resource on the flow state, I can send you a particular episode. There was uh, one I listened to recently with Michael Gervais, who has a podcast called Finding Mastery. It's a great listen for folks that are kind of doing a lot of this, um, you know, building a mastery of whatever craft you have. And uh-huh. last week he interviewed um, Jim Nance, who's a CBS um, broadcaster, sports, you know, broadcaster, and has been doing it for 30 plus years um, in golf, uh, basketball and NFL. And one of the things I really liked, he talked about his profession as um, sort of this long state of um, being in flow and the importance of storytelling. And Mm -hmm. it really changed how even I thought about things like sports, right? If you think about when you watch sports broadcasting, it's not the numbers and the data that capture you. It's Mm -hmm. the stories that capture you. Yes. And he describes so beautifully what it's like to be in flow state um, and how he knows that he's in flow state because it's those stories that come through um, without any memorization. And that was such a wonderful reminder. So I, I will send you that to listen to. Uh, and I encourage others to, to listen to that episode too, because it was a great reminder of um, the importance of, of getting there, staying there, and doing more work in flow state. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bill. And I really look forward. So we're going to reconnect yes, um, in six you. months time and we'll um, look at your, your progress and reflect and, and ask, you know, dive in a little more on your journey. So thanks again, Bill. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Casey. Thanks.